If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. ESPN 690 and Action Sports Jacks presents Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau. We're going to have to show a little more patience than the year two pom-pom people. Casey Kurtz. Yo! Well, what are we doing, bro? Come on! And Aaron Schachter. I'm, I'm all in favor of these two showing their love, really celebrating their relationship. This is Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau, Casey Kurtz, and Aaron Schachter on Jacksonville's home for ESPN Radio, ESPN 690. We got ourselves the Clay Harbor Bowl coming up on Sunday. Oh, it's a good thing we've got Clay for an hour now. I don't know where the heartstrings are in this one. We talk about the bachelor, bachelor, and it's going to get a rose. All the emotions are starting to set in, not just for Doug Peterson, but for Clay Harbor. How you feeling, man? Oh man, it's a tough week, man. It's it's like it's like you're on the bachelor and you got you got two women you're deciding between. You only got one rose. So who do you give the rose to? I don't know. This is tough. This is tough. Uh, I don't know. Trevor Lawrence, Jalen Hurts, Soriani, Doug Peterson. Uh, it's a lot to decide here uh, for uh, Clay Harbor. Hey, this is fun now. It is not the biggest game in the NFL. We went through this yesterday, Casey and I. But it is top three biggest games on the slate. And it might turn into the best game. Uh, this is out of nowhere. This is an awesome early season game on Sunday at the Link. Oh, man, nothing like the Link, too. The Link's a great place to play. I mean, it'll be, it'll, the environment there will be crazy. The, the Eagles fans are I mean, they've they've been known to throw snowballs with Santa Claus. <laughs> so I mean, it'll be an intense uh, intense matchup there. I hope you guys aren't going to be out there wearing your Jaguar stuff because they might be afraid for your safety. If uh, if the Jaguars win, a drunk Eagles fans just see see the teal and in attack. Yeah. The uh, how are they going to how are they going to treat Doug Peterson? Do you think? I think they're going to have mad respect for Peterson. That city loves. Doug Peterson, and I expect them to give him a standing ovation, to give him a round of applause. He brought he brought the first ever Super Bowl to Philadelphia. Like, come on, like you gotta you gotta give Peterson his due, and I think Philly will. Philly fan base is passionate, and if you're a good player there, they will love you. But if you're not, I mean, you'll hear the, you won't hear the end of it either. You might have to move to a new city. But uh, he won. He won the ball. He brought brought the championship to Philly, and they're going to remember that, and they're going to give him some love. Yeah, and I don't think there's any like even when he departed, I don't never felt there was drama, soap opera, bad blood type of stuff. The problem with like Russell Wilson, who I brought up in this context yesterday, you wondered why are they booing Russell Wilson all the good years that he gave him, right? I mean, yeah. Patriots fans didn't boo Tom Brady, and they shouldn't have booed Tom Brady for what he gave them. But the thing about Wilson was there was an article like a week prior or that week about some of the stuff that went wrong and that he might have wanted out after they wanted to at least inquire about trading him. And so I think that muddied things up on the Russell Wilson front to the point where the Seattle fans, it was so fresh in their mind, they're like, screw this guy, even though a lot of people are like, why did they boo him? But that's not the case with Peterson, I guess is my point. No, it was uh, amicable separation there. I think it wasn't Doug's decision. And the fact the Eagles are doing well and Doug's doing well, I think you're going to see a lot of love there between the team. It's not a it's not a bad thing. They're both meeting on 
you know, good pretense here. That it's two teams that are first in their division. You love to see it, and I think the Philly the Philly fans will will show some respect and some love for Doug Peterson and what he what he gave to the city and what he brought there. Yeah, and so many times you have like these revenge games, right? We had already in the early part of the season. We have Baker Mayfield going against Cleveland, and we'll have it later with Houston and Deshaun Watson. And I don't think they're going to treat Deshaun Watson very well, considering what's gone on with him, but also that oh, he no. wanted out. And so even though he gave him some good years. Houston won't treat him well when that happens. Uh, but this one, like, truly is, and, and appropriately so, in the city of brotherly love. Like, this has a good v- feel around. This is a good vibe. It's like, hey, good for Duck. Good for the Jags. Like, the Jags are a hard team not to like. They haven't been very good. And so, good for the Eagles. They're playing well, too. They might be the best team in the NFL. We like our guy. Good for you guys. Like, it actually, going into this game, it's like, there's a good vibe around it. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great vibe around it, and you, and you like to see what Doug's done for Jacksonville, and I think the Philly fans can respect that. They say, wow, Doug's really came in, and he, he turned things around there, and there was never a feel when I was in Philly visiting or for whatever with the players that someone didn't like Doug. It wasn't a bad split. Like, if I don't know, if Urban Meyer came back to Jacksonville and what whatever, I mean, the Jags fans would probably boo him, and rightfully so. <laughs> yes. But Doug Peterson wasn't that type of guy. Everybody loved him. He's a player's coach, and and I think that's why they'll have uh, – it'll, it'll be like a standing O for him out there. Yeah, I think it'll be pretty interesting to watch, and hopefully it's a good reception. I think he earned that. He's got a statue out there for crying out loud. I would hope uh, that they respect that. I did just say it asked this question, and I don't mean this in like a super critical way. Uh, probably the way I just phrased it on social media won't come across great. But you know, you, we know the, the Philly fans can be nasty, right? They really can. I mean, they are rabid. And yeah. a lot of that, though, was, was born out of angst because they weren't winning. And they weren't winning yeah. enough. And you're in a division with the Cowboys who are winning Super Bowls and the Giants who are winning Super Bowls. And back in the day, Washington winning Super Bowls. They were the only ones that weren't. So, like, you talk about throwing snowballs at Santa, it's because they're frustrated and they weren't good enough. Have they softened a little bit because of the Super Bowl? I mean, they got their ring. They did their thing. And are they as angry? And, and I mean, that doesn't mean they're not going to be, like, fired up and loud, but... I mean, is there a little bit more of a smile on the face of a Philly fan these days that maybe we think of the way Philly was 10, 15, 20 years ago? Yeah, they're not the same crew out there for sure. They got their win. They got their Super Bowl. But they love being portrayed as that. Yeah, true. Philly fans, they take, they love that. They love that they're looked at as those hard-nosed fans, and they want to be those fans that cause some trouble, that will throw the snowballs at Santa, that will get in a fight. That's what they love. They love being that group. They want that reputation. That's what people don't realize. They they take pride in that being those fans. So yeah, you got to respect that about Philly. I mean, it's a it's a hard nosed city. It's a you know it's a lunch pail to work type city. Everybody's you know blue collar city out there, Philadelphia. So they they love that that reputation they have as these hard fans that really support their teams or if they're not doing well, they're going to give you some crap. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Clay Harbor with us on uh, Brent Friends on ESPN 690. joins us 4 o'clock hour each and every Wednesday. And uh, we got a big one this week. Clay played for the Eagles, of course, follows him very closely. Played for the Jags, follows him very closely and joins us each and every uh, Wednesday. I wonder what the emotions are for Doug here. I kind of asked him today, but uh, expectedly he, he is avoiding a lot of that this team likes Doug a lot, to your point, and I think already out of the locker room Sunday afternoon, you could feel and hear, uh, let's go win this next one for Doug. 
And I think they're going to rally around that a little bit, which is a little odd to me in the NFL, especially for a coach who's only been here eight months and because it wasn't that yeah. volatile when he left. But I think that's the persona that Doug has taken on with this football team in that locker room. And I think they feel that way, Clay, which, again, I'm not sure you ever experienced something like that in the NFL. That's uh, You guys kind of take care of your own business. You go about your business. You don't usually see too many rallying cries around a coach or even a specific player in the NFL like maybe you would in college or high school. No, that's uh, – but that's what happens in the NFL. You know, Doug was the coach at Philadelphia for a long time. He was a quarterback coach. He had a long time there. And they fired him. They did. And they, they hired a different coach. So this is Doug's opportunity to go back and to show them, hey – you fired me, but now I'm beating you on Sundays. You probably you want to you want to make them regret firing. It's just human nature. Oh yeah. Your your girlfriend breaks up with you. You want you want her to see you with a better looking girl. You know Doug's better looking girl right now is Jacksonville. He wants them to see that hey he can do this without him. He doesn't need him. And and that's I mean I think that's the mindset. It's just human nature. You want to go out there and you want to show the team that rejected you that, hey, you're just as good without him. You can do this without him and that they're going to regret that. And I think that, you know, as much as we want to, like, he wants to play it down or we want to play it down, that there's human nature involved and he really wants this game a little bit more than, you know, he might want to beat the San Diego Chargers even. Yeah, we uh, we are better looking down here, but uh, they might be a little bit tougher up in Philly, I wonder. You know, I mean, uh, it's a tough football <laughs> yeah. team. I'm, I'm worried. I'm not worried. I'm interested in that component. Not too many times, not too many teams. It's a, it's a violent game by nature. Everybody's physical. So uh, there's no such thing as a soft or finesse team. But there are other teams that jump out at you as physical teams. Tennessee has yeah. had this moniker. Baltimore has had this moniker over the years. I feel like right now the Eagles have a little bit of that. Although if you watch some of the breakdowns of video in the trenches for the Jags, there'll be a lot of national pundits that actually look at the video closely and say, hey, this Jaguars team is being really physical right now, too. But yeah. I'm interested in that, uh, Clay. I, I wonder if they just look like a big, bad team. know if the Jags really echo that to me quite yet. Yeah, Philly's, Philly's very physical, and obviously on their offensive line and their defensive I mean, you look at the defensive line, Brandon Graham had two sacks like last week, NFC Defensive Player of the Week. And uh, he's been doing it for a long time. And a guy that you guys might not have heard much about is very physical, uh, heady guy, smart, knows, is TJ Edwards. He is a great linebacker. This guy is just, he can just anticipate things. He can read a defense. And he's an undrafted guy from Wisconsin. Undrafted player from Wisconsin runs a 540. Brent, you might be able to compete with him in a 40 I can yard do pass. that. Come on, yeah. Brent. I can run a 54. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Without socks and everything. Yeah. And this guy is graded out as the second best linebacker in the NFL. He's up at the top ten in tackles. I mean, TJ Edwards is is a great player, and he's a guy that is going to make it hard for the Jaguars to run the ball because he's so smart. And obviously, Fletcher Cox, Jordan Davis, you hear a lot about. They got some big boys in there. Jordan Davis, I mean, he looks like the dude off the Green Mile. I, I was over there at, at Philadelphia Eagles camp. I go, this dude is. I'm not a. I'm not a small guy. You know, six three and some change. I go on the field. There's just this big shadow behind. This guy is massive. Jordan Davis is larger than any human should be, and uh, he's athletic too. So there's going to be some some trouble there. There's some big physical boys on both the offense and defensive line. Not, I mean, I'm not talking about Lane Johnson and some of those offensive linemen. 
I love, by the way, Jordan Davis. I was a big fan of his. If the Jags weren't picking number one overall, let's just say they were picking like seven or eight or something like that, I would have loved for them to get that guy in the middle. And I think he's going to pay big dividends to add to everybody else. Fletcher Cox still getting it done. I mean, they had nine sacks last week. They are playing really good football. Like, everything is clicking. But guess what? Everything's clicking for the Jacksonville Jaguars, too. I mean, I just can't imagine both of these teams continue to play like the last couple of weeks, Clay, almost flawless football. Yeah, yeah, it's it looks good. But you look at even the loss for the Jaguars. They're a defensive stop or two away from winning that game against the Commanders. And I remember saying that, hey, I'm looking at this game, and it's, I'm enthusiastic. I'm, I'm feeling great about this team. They showed me that they have the weapons. They can move the ball. They just get some more stops back there. You're going to be great, and, they, and they've done it. I think both these teams are for real. They're obviously not going to be able to play perfect, but both these quarterbacks are legit. It's not a flash in the pan. Oh, it's just three games to be in the season. Both these teams can play. Both these quarterbacks can play. It all stems from there, and they have good systems around them and good offensive minds around them. Trevor Lawrence, what Mike McCoy and those offensive minds have done with him is incredible. Mike McCoy coached Peyton Manning. Mike McCoy coached Phillip Rivers. Mike McCoy has coached a ton of good quarterbacks in his life, and now he's focused on one player. He was a head coach. Now he's worried about one player. He's putting all that knowledge into Trevor Lawrence, and Trevor Lawrence is showing that he can, he can take that knowledge and he can put it on the field and he can win games. Yeah, let's uh, talk about the quarterbacks a little bit more. It's a good little segue into him. I mean, Trevor, I mean, just looks so good these last two weeks. And actually, Clay, what I liked about last week, I'm not sure you watch every single play, but early on, he was a little off. He was throwing a bit high, and, and, and then he found himself. Like, I think that says a lot. I think we've had other guys in the past that when you have an off day, it's an off day. He he proved that, hey, an yeah. off series or so turned into a hell of a day. He went 19 for his last 22. His completion percentage up over 70 again. And then he had three touchdowns, no picks, and got into a rhythm and, and, and helped win that game. He's the AFC Offensive Player of the Week, which is crazy. First time since 2010 that Jags have had an AFC Offensive Player of the Week. I mean, holy cow. No wonder why we're raving about Doug Peterson. We haven't seen offense. We haven't seen offense around here. I mean, we don't even know what offensive football looks like in the NFL until Doug Peterson showed up, and three weeks ago we got to see it. I mean, that's incredible that it's taken 12 years to get an AFC Offensive Player of the Week. I don't know. Do the math, Casey, on that. That's 12 years times 16. That's 192 opportunities. That's 192 opportunities, and it took us that long to get an Offensive Player of the Week, and it was Trevor Lawrence. But the growth's amazing. Sorry to go off on that tangent, Clay. No, I honestly, I'm surprised that one of one of my games when I had one catch for nine yards back in the day didn't win me the offensive player of the week when I was on the on the Jets. Oh, you blocked a hell of a lot that game, though, man. You were good in the blocking game. Yeah, I had a couple cut blocks, you know, a couple of fullback dive blocks, you know. So I'm surprised I never won that. I thought I should have a couple times. I had two catches for 15 yards one week. I was really looking for some awards, but it never came. But, I mean, that just goes to show you, Doug Peterson, the type of offensive mind he is, what he's been able to do in this year. And we got to give some credit to Trent Baalke. I mean, he's not a popular guy in Jacksonville. He's becoming popular yeah, with these, these uh, guys he signed. But Christian Kirk and Zay Jones last week, look at these guys. Incredible. These guys look like one of the better right wide receiver cores in the league. Evan Ingram didn't have a big game, but, you know, I still like him. He only had the one catch and – 
you look at the touchdown, Marvin Jones even scored. Like, that's that's impressive. Like, these guys are making some plays and catching the football. It's good to see. And the draft picks with, uh, you know, even ETN. I mean, this guy, he hasn't had that breakout run yet. Like, well, I'm still waiting for it. That one, you're like, wow. But uh, he's definitely got that in his uh, in his bag. So I'm looking for him, to, looking forward to him to, to, to use that and show that. Hopefully against Philly, he can and – well, you guys think we can see an upset? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm still deciding. Yeah, I didn't think the Jags would go in and beat, uh, you know, the Chargers the way they did. I thought they could compete. I thought they had a, they could put themselves in a position to win and where they're going to make the plays. I never saw the game unveiling itself like it did. And so I don't know what to expect anymore. I, I, I think both these teams are playing really well, and I don't know if you can play as well as they're playing on a consistent week-to-week basis. So I expect to see a little bit of a drop-off. But that could be a drop-off from the Eagles. I mean, they've been very good. And so maybe they have the off game, and the Jaguars end up beating them. I mean, that could, that could be the case. But you just brought up a lot of different positions. And I think what's fascinating about this game is you look at Suriani, seems like a good coach. Uh, yeah. We think Peterson is a good coach. You look at the Eagles, Hurts playing excellent football. Uh, Trevor Lawrence playing excellent football. You got Miles Sanders in uh, for the Eagles. You got James Robinson and ETN uh, for the Jags. Yep. You have AJ Brown's unbelievable. Devontae Smith unbelievable last week. Then you have Kirk and Jones and Jones. And then you have Goddard and Ingram. And then you got two offensive yep. lines playing well. I mean, you can go up and down the rosters on the offensive side of the ball just to start, Clay. And it's like, holy yep. cats, man, this is a hell of a matchup. It's a crazy matchup. And before the season, I went to three training camps. Three. You know, I, I obviously uh, hung out with you at Jags camp. I, uh, my hometown of Chicago, Illinois, I spent a lot of time there watching, watching my hometown Chicago Bears. And for a week, I went up to Philadelphia, and I watched the Eagles in training camp. And when I went there for camp, but I remember saying, I go, wow, the, uh, the Eagles got a new uh, tight end. You know, a guy looked, I go, wait a second, that's A.J. Brown. That guy's not a tight end. This guy is big. He's massive. He can run. That's going to be a tough matchup. The only the only position that I'm really not confident about as far as with, with our Jaguars is I'm not sure about the safeties yet. I feel like everybody else has performed. I think the safeties, the, the jury is still out. In my, I think they had a better game last week, obviously, but I think the jury's still out on them. And can they compete with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith? Devontae Smith had – 156 yards last week, making leaping acrobatic catches. The guy's fast, runs a 4-3. Quez Watkins runs a 4-2-something. A.J. Brown is just a huge, fast receiver. And then you, you put in Dallas Goddard? I mean, this is a tough offense to get. And then you got Jalen Hurst. That can, he runs the zone read better than any quarterback in the league. Any quarterback. He always does the right thing. Justin Fields... What I want, if I could coach him, I would tell him, Justin, whatever your instincts tell you to do with the zone read, do the opposite. <laughs> because when you pull it, you should Sounds it. like when my golf game. It, you should pull it. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. I'm like, Fields, what are you doing with this pull and this key? And I'm watching the tape in the all 22, and I'm like, man, this guy's just making some bad moves. But, but Jalen Hurts on the flip side of that, the guy is just a master at running the zone read. So – 
I mean, it's going to be a tough offense to contain, and the Jags' defense has been playing well, but it's it's going to be a challenge for sure. Well, but I think it's tough for both defenses. I don't care how good the Philly defense is. Right now, this offense is clicking, and I, I just went blow by blow by position, and I think the Jags are confident in their guys just as much as the Eagles are confident in their guys. And again, Clay, I can't I can't say this enough. Like, that is not something over 15 years here in Jacksonville for me that you line up against people that think they're good on offense too and you take your Jacksonville Jaguar squad and you're like, eh, so what? Weak this, 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 and this. Like, that is <laughs> yeah. that does not happen. Like, it just hasn't happened. Like, I think we – I'm shouting this from the rooftops right now is that when you have a game, you have the Eagles that look this good and they really have looked really good and they look primed to become into that elite category. But then you take what the Jags have done the last two weeks and I, it's a small sample. I get it, all right? It's a small sample, but – I think they would take their guys. Now, they would love a guy like A.J. Brown. They would love a guy like Devontae Smith. But I think they're confident in their guys. And the way the tackles are playing, they're confident in them. Brandon Sheriff's fantastic. Fortner, who you were really tough on, and rightfully so, for the first, like, six quarters of the season, I think he's really come on uh, as of late. Like, the offensive line is playing big boy football even for the Jags. So, uh, and again, we can go to the quarterbacks right now. Trevor Lawrence is playing the last two weeks just as well as anybody in the National Football League at the QB position. Yeah. And the thing that gives me confidence about Trevor Lawrence as opposed to, say, a guy like, you know, Justin Fields. I keep mentioning Justin Fields. I live in Chicago, guys. They yeah. have to watch a lot You watch of it up close. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, here's the thing. Trevor Lawrence is getting rid of the ball as the third quickest guy in the entire NFL right now. Yeah. He's getting rid of the ball in 2.64 seconds per attempt. So – I think, to me, sacks is as much of a quarterback statistic as it is an offensive line statistic. The Bears, all oh, the Bears gave up five sacks, ten sacks, twelve sacks to poor Justin. Justin Fields is holding on to the ball, man. You got to get rid of this thing. You can't sit back there and just think you got all day. Oh, take a nice deep breath and then, you know, expect to throw. No, you got to get rid of the ball, and Trevor Lawrence is getting the ball out of his hands. He's seeing his target. He's anticipating throws, and he's getting the ball out of his hands. Justin Fields is sitting back there like he's got all day, and he has no pocket awareness. So Fields is, or, or Lawrence has great pocket awareness, and he gets rid of the ball quick. So that's one of the reasons I'm confident that this pass game will translate because I don't care how good your offensive line is, how good your defensive line is, how good a pass rush you have. If the quarterback, the number one quarterback in the list is Tom Brady, getting rid of the ball in 2.4 seconds. He knows how to get rid of the ball quick. The faster, the better. You can negate a pass rush with a quarterback that can get rid of the ball quick. And Trevor Lawrence is doing that right now. And if he keeps doing that, these defensive lines, these great blitzes, I don't care, will not have the effect they're supposed to. Yeah, they're getting rid of the ball with accuracy, too. Uh, Casey, real quick thought. Uh, I mean, I just went through that offensive line. I mean, that offensive lineup for both teams. I mean, it's an interesting way to look at it, right? I mean, once you say it out loud, the Jags feel good about their parts against another good offense. Like, I don't know if I'm going to say that when they play Kansas City. Think about down the road who they play. Uh, They don't play Buffalo this year, so you don't have to worry about that. But I guess Kansas City's one you're like, yeah, I don't know, Brent. That might be a stretch. I'm not telling you the Jags' offense is better than the Eagles' parts. But you don't mind going to battle, Casey, is the point. Yeah, no, you don't mind it. And I think just from what you just said there, I think you got a better comparison for being better than Kansas City's offense than the Eagles' offense. For it my might money, be right now. To the point you're trying to make, but yeah, it's been a minute since the Jags have felt good with their team going to battle with, as you've documented. But yeah, it's 
It's new here. People still got to get used to it, Brent. But uh, we're getting used to it one game at a time. All right. Justin Fields holds the ball so long, he'd probably be good on The Bachelor, by the way, when they want to take a commercial break to make that final decision. So we're going to take a commercial break. We don't have a final decision to make yet. I want to go the other side of the ball with the Eagles. You know this team really well. You obviously know the Jags really well. We might get a little more Chicago around the NFL talk in. Uh, but I've also got to give you these stats that I had on the third quarter today in the second half. And I'm wondering if it's a product of uh, what the Eagles have done so well or if there's a spot to attack the Eagles in the second half because they're not putting up the kind of numbers the Jags are. So I have a little bit of that conversation. Uh, we'll relay that to you coming up next. Brenton Friends, Clay Harbor joins us each and every Wednesday here on ESPN 690. Now, the first alert forecast on ESPN 690. It's tough. It's extremely tough. I mean, the second you pull into that stadium, you know, the fans are, are cheering and fans are booing and fans are yelling. And um, it's a great environment, you know, for a football game, but it's it's loud. The stadium's kind of right on top of the field. And, and um, it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to be able to handle crowd noise and, and um, try to, you know, try to keep your composure. That'll be interesting with this young football team. It is a hostile environment. We didn't have that in L.A. last week. And, of course, they quieted everybody pretty quick. And that's they don't one got no way fans, to do it. But, but, yeah, it's a totally different animal, right, in Philly. And, and I think what will be tested there is one of the undertold stories, and I think we've mentioned it, but there's so much to tell right now about the Jags. And this is like, uh, let's be honest, it's kind of stunning the way it's un. <laughs> <laughs> you know, unveiled so far uh, in this first few weeks that you can't hit everything, but we're hitting so many different things. 13 penalties to lead the NFL in week one, three and then two the subsequent weeks. And so that will really be tested, I think, from a procedural standpoint coming up on Sunday in Philadelphia with that crowd and with the ability of that defense to get after you. Like that offensive line now, they are going to be tested in that regard, in my opinion. Brent and friends back on a Wednesday on ESPN 690. Brent Martin, Casey Kurtz, Clay Harbor joins us each and every Wednesday from 4 p.m. until 5 p.m. And let me ask you about that, Clay. That's a challenge for an inexperienced team, a line that hasn't played together for a long time. I've got my eyes on that a little bit. For, can the Jags line up? Can they execute? Can they stay away from second and 15 uh, because of some of the silly penalties? I love playing in, um, in, in Philly because you always knew the crowd was going to have your back. It's loud. They're going to be heckling the other team. You know, you can't let any of that get to you as far as the, the Jags are concerned. And it's going to be a thing, but I think this uh, this offensive line is a good mix of veterans and obviously young players too. But you know, Cam Robinson has played in this before. Jawan Taylor has played in this before. Uh, Brandon Sheriff has played twice. He's played the Eagles every year for the past four years. <laughs> so these guys are used to it. I don't think it's going to be as big as a deal as it could be because these guys are some veteran players that have played in this environment before and they're and they're ready for it. Obviously. Luke Fortner's first taste, but you know he was a big-time college player playing SEC football and stuff like that. So I think they're all going to be used to it. They'll, they'll handle it. It'll be tough for I don't know. I think you had a good veteran team, so I think it, they'll, they'll be able to handle it and um, negate that uh, crowd noise. All right, I'm going to give you some numbers now in the second half. It's for the third quarter. The Jags have been third-quarter killers, I call them, uh, so far this year. Uh, they have rolled. They had six drives, in, so two drives again. 
And part of that is because they're owning the time of possession. That's all they need. 31 minutes time of possession out of the three games in the third quarter, which is 45 minutes possibility. They've had two-thirds of it, the time of possession. They've scored well, 30 points, Clay. Uh, four touchdowns, a field goal. They've punted one time in the third quarter. And that's where they're putting teams away or taking control of the game, especially these last two weeks. And their yards per play is something crazy, like 6.89 yards per play. <laughs> I mean, it's really strong. So, meanwhile, the other side of that, the, the Eagles, and again, I, I want to fully say, like, in full disclosure, this I haven't watched every Eagles snap, and this might be because they've had such big leads, but they've only scored 14 points in the second half. In the last two weeks, they've scored none in the second half. So I don't know yep. if that's taken their foot off the gas or if that's something that the Jags might find themselves having a little bit of an advantage with because what we do know about covering teams for a long time is some of those numbers become trends. Are, are, are the Eagles just a team that's going to struggle in the third quarter in the second half? Are the Jags just going to be really good all year in that phase for whatever reason? Maybe it's just a coincidental thing. So I don't know exactly what it is. It's a three-week sample. But right now, statistically, the Jags might have an advantage if this thing's close at halftime in that second half. Doug Peterson, he, he knows how to make changes, and he knows how to come into the half, and if something's not working, he's, he's going to switch it up. He's not a guy that's stubborn is going to stick with his game plan. I just read this book by Adam Grant called Think Again, and the, the main theme of it was those who can't change their minds can't change anything. Feeling right is not as important as being right. Doug Peterson, to me, personifies that. He's not afraid to go on with the game plan. If it's not working, he'll scrap it. He'll do something else. He'll run the ball. He'll throw the ball. He doesn't care. He will go in and he will make changes. And he's the type of guy that you'll see comes in after half times. He'll look at what the, the coverages he's getting. He'll look at the blitzes they're getting. He'll look at the game plan he's getting. He'll be able to scrap it and come up with an, uh, the plays that are All right, here's the plays that are working. Here's the plays that are not. We're going to scrap these plays. We're going to rely on these plays. We're going to try this. So I think that's something that Doug Peterson does really well, and that's why he's been so successful so far this year. Clay Harbor with us on ESPN 690. And, uh, Clay, you watch a lot of the Eagles. I think you've watched probably every snap of them at some point, uh, whether it's live yep. or, or after. Where are they beatable? Uh, because right now, they uh, again, we crown teams, right? I, don't, I am not – I've been doing this long enough. I, I know the Eagles are beatable. Uh, they're not going to play this great every week. I know the Jags are not going to do this every week. Like, it's just not real. Uh, they're playing really good football right now. And so right now it's hard to find the warts of the Eagles uh, because of these three games they haven't showed many, at least to, to everybody else. Where do you think the Eagles are, are a bit vulnerable? I think there's a couple of things. If you look at their – I mean, look at the first game of the year against the Lions. I mean, their offense scored 35 points, but their defense gave up 32, 33 points to Jared Goff and the Lions. So their defense is susceptible. They have all the playmakers, all the skills, but for whatever reason, sometimes they can't put it all together. I mean, you look you look back at that week one game, yeah, they won 38-35, to 35, but they did give up a lot of yards. You know, you gave up 181 yards on the ground. So I think you can – you can run the ball a little bit. And James Robinson, Travis Etienne, you run the ball. The Lions, two games ago, 180 yards on the ground against the Eagles. This team isn't unbeatable. They're a very beatable team. You just, I think you got to establish the run. And then after that, you got, you, you mean, you got to have some big plays in the pass game. But the first thing you got to do is establish the run, like the Lions did, 38 to 35. The Lions almost got them. If you do that, I think that you have a good chance. And that's something that the, the Vikings couldn't do. The Vikings only had 62 rush yards against them. 
and uh, only threw for 220. Again, so a lot of that was in garbage time. So you got to establish the run, in my opinion. Establish early. James Robinson, 42 yards after contact last week. Give him the ball. Let's see what he can do. Yeah, I think uh, it's a good point. And the Jags, I, I give Doug a lot of credit. You know, I don't think he called a bad game week one, but he has certainly gone to the run and lived with it even when it hasn't been working, stuck with it, and seen it pop. And that's what you get with James Robinson right now. Uh, the run is popping uh, at times, and, and that's been a critical thing. Jags are 4.1 yards per carry on the season. That includes everybody, uh, but 4.5 for James Robinson, who has toted it more than anybody. In fact, two more times than, than uh, even Travis Etienne. Uh, Casey, let me ask you this then. Where are the Jags vulnerable? Where's their weakness uh, what are teams going to st- start doing to say, hey, we can beat you here? Yeah, I, me and Brian talked about it a little bit on overtime, I think on Monday. And, like, the things that stick out to me, at least on defense, and there's there's not much because I, I was trying to figure out what they could improve on on defense. This is where our conversation came from, and it comes back to where I'm going to go now. They have to defend the long ball, right? I think if there's one thing on the defense – that you could point to, well, Terry McLaurin ran past some people, and that ended up biting them. And uh, even the throw with Herbert, again, it was an incredible throw, but it is the deep ball. So if that's the communication with the safeties, uh, the corners obviously playing together. Tyson Campbell, I'm not really worried about there. But I think that's one thing on the defense that I would attack if I was the Eagles because you have A.J. Brown and you have Devonta Smith. And if people are going to run by Shaq Griffin, if he even plays, if he's fully healthy, a lot of things going in there, but it's happened already, so it's on film, it's been seen. I think that's something that they could exploit, and then I'm not, I will never be convinced the Jags can stop a mobile quarterback until I see it happen. Marcus Mariota did his thing for a long time. Jalen Hurts can cook better than Marcus Mariota, so until I see it, I'm not going to believe it. Yeah, but I think it's 17. Now, again, we're, we're drawing likenesses because we haven't seen a defense do what they're doing, sacks and turnovers. Well, 17 was the only time we've really seen it to that degree. And uh, I, guess, I think we have to be careful with the 17 comparisons, but I'm just trying to think they were so fast and they were good at the linebacker position. Like that year, their linebackers played excellent football because they even had Puzz in there. And they, not that he was fast, but they could put him in there. And then when they wasn't, it was Miles and Telvin, and they were doing their thing. I just look at the way their linebackers are playing right now, and I'm, I'm not sure I'm as concerned with the run. Now, you've got to be always concerned, but I just don't know if this is going to be that leaky defense and, oh, gosh, they're just going to get gashed. I mean, Devin Lloyd right now looks like he's playing terrific in space, and I think he's the guy that's going to probably be tasked with keeping an eye on Jalen Hurts, Casey. But it will be agreed, and I believe me, I, I told you I thought uh, Devin Lloyd's going to be Ray Lewis, so I'm, I'm high on the guy. But it's the first time dealing with something like that. And to the point you made earlier in the show, Devin Lloyd's a grown man, so is Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts might be able to stiff arm him right to the ground. So I think putting the rookie in that position, although we think he's capable, it is sketch to me. Yeah, Clay, let me bring you in on this too. Where do you look at what you've seen from the Jags? Do you see some vulnerabilities with them? Um, They played such good football last two weeks, it's hard to do. But uh, where would you attack them? Well, I think you guys said it. The long ball is a little susceptible. Rashawn Jenkins is uh, at safety is graded as at, from PFF. There's 76 total safeties graded. He's at 71. So I mean, there's a there's position. I like Andre Cisco. I think Cisco's a good player, but I think there's something to be said there for for Jenkins. And to go back to the Eagles, Eagles gave up four yards of carry to the Commanders last week. So the Commanders just didn't run the football. They did whenever they ran it. They were getting good yarders. They were hitting four yards a pop. 
and it wasn't like they popped one big one. It was they were hitting basically four yards a time, uh, four yards a carry when they're running the football. They ended up throwing the throwing the ball forty three times, only scored eight points. So I go back to say you you got to consistently run the ball against the Eagles, and then for the Jaguars, I mean they're looking pretty good, and and that that long ball, that deep ball, like like you guys are pointing out. You know, I, I like Devin Lloyd. I like this linebacking crew, and they, they look good, and I don't think you're going to be able to run the ball on them consistently. Miles Sanders is a really good player, and I, I don't know if outside of Philly he's as known as he should be. But watching him at camp, watching him play the last couple of years, this guy's a superstar, and he's going to be a superstar. This guy, he, he splits carries with Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott. they got a good three-headed monster out there at Philadelphia, both Jalen Hurst, but Miles Sanders – is an explosive, fast, and quick man, and he's big, too. He's big and strong, so he can do it all. And that's a guy that scares me as a, as a Jags fan is, is Miles Sanders because he can do it all, and he's he's a he will be a bona fide superstar at some point. Yeah, and by the way, the Chargers never got Eckler. I mean, he ended up with like eight catches, catches but they gave up on the run. They never got Eckler going. They weren't patient. Um, and they put it in Herbert's hands last week. So we never really saw that evolve. I wonder if the Eagles will be more apt to do that. Uh, before we hit a break here, uh, one other question. I Well, a thought I have about the Jags. They're throwing all this stuff underneath, the crossing stuff, the catch on the run and go, and they're getting some big plays. So not everything's like a dink and dunk, but it's quick game, like you were saying, Clay. Can somebody take – I asked Maurice Jones-Drew and Rasheen this this week too. Is somebody going to take that away from them and then force Trevor to go down the field? Or is it just so hard to defend if they're accurate with it? If you're not smothering the receiver, the pitch and catch is going to be there regardless of what scheme and defense you try to play. I think the quick game is always going to be there. And, and Doug Peterson's a, a great coach. I mean, him and Press Taylor, they know that they'll take the temperature of their own team. They know not just look the opposing team. They're going to do self-scout a lot and see, hey, are we running too much too much quick game? And then they're going to double move off of them. So they're going to put all that in tape. If you want to jump the quick game, they're going to double move them. So players know that Doug Peterson knows and is capable of throwing some double moves in there if, if they want to try to take away the quick game. So I think that's a catch-22 for the defense. Yeah, I think so. Uh, that's the part because I, if I was somebody else right now, I think I've seen if I uh, if I track every throw of Trevor Lawrence, he's put the ball a little bit in danger when going downfield. And he's been fortunate on a couple occasions. Again, we're getting real picky here, but he's put the ball in danger a couple of times. Been fortunate not to throw some picks. And so I would challenge that and want him to do that. The beauty of Trevor as a young player right now who has an arm and wants to push it down the field is he's been very good at just settling in and taking what they're giving him. Like, that is hard to do. In these last two weeks, he has done it to perfection, hasn't forced the issue, hasn't made a big mistake. And uh, I would just say, hey, Trevor's got a good arm, but let's see if he can beat us deep or we can force him into a mistake if they can somehow press the issue. But to your point, you run the risk of giving up a big play once he does cash in. And... uh I think that's the next evolution of his game. Is he going to cash in on some of these long bomb plays? Because he loves the deep ball now, and he throws the beauty of one. So we'll see what happens with Trevor. All right, let's take a break. One more time, uh, one more segment with uh, Clay Harbor. Joins us each and every Wednesday. Brent and friends at ESPN 690. Get ready to hand out that final rose from week three before we turn ahead to the Eagles and the Jags on Sunday. The Clay Harbor Bowl coming up on Sunday afternoon <laughs> in Philadelphia. <laughs> Let's get back 
back into it for a few minutes with Clay Harbor, former Jaguar, former Eagle, up in Chicago. By the way, you going to the game? You mentioned you might game. be going, right? Yeah, I'm going to the game. Um, you're gonna be out there. Yeah, we'll be. Uh, we leave Saturday, so should have no problem with the hurricane, and uh, we'll be up there Saturday. And I'll be there on Sunday. So, are you going? Like, will you be in like a press box, or you got special seats? Are you like a man of uh, the people uh, in Philly, or what? I'll be in the family and friends section of the Eagles, unfortunately. But uh, that doesn't mean I'm going to be pulling for the Eagles just because I'm in the family and friends section. Well, that's all right. I mean, you might have to kind of like occasionally golf clap or something if they they help you get in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll have to do something, right? Clay Harbor, hey, you having fun doing all the media stuff? I know you join us an hour, but you're doing a lot of different things. How'd you do on the, the pre-post game last week in Chicago? Oh, it was a lot of fun. I got a little bit of work to do, but uh, I, I, it's just something I naturally like to do. We joke around, have fun, talk football. I mean, there's nothing like it. So, uh, yeah, that uh, CBS post-game show was, was good, and uh, they, they, they're bringing me back for the next one, too, but they only got a – a couple games a year in Chicago, unfortunately. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, uh, one uh, one other note I wanted to ask you about, and, and we got to do it kind of quick before we get to the final rows, but uh, Casey and I were disappointed in both the Chargers and the Dolphins and how they handled the Herbert situation in the last quarter, keeping him in there, and also Tua uh, getting yeah. back in there. I mean, what's your thought as a player? I mean, they talk player safety all the time, and I think the NFL has made a lot of strides. I think they do mean it. But I think moments like that make you question, like, man, I mean, Rogers got to make a phone call this week, doesn't he? Yeah, Tua promises it was his back and he's having spasms, but come on, Tua. Like, who do you think you're talking to, buddy? Like, we, we, we saw what happened. Like, you were you, you your head slammed against the ground. So, a uh, responsibility goes to some of these players. I mean, if they want to play, they're grown men. I know that some people are saying, hey, you got to look out for them on their own, but I'm on the team – of if I say I want to play, I'm a grown man, and I'm the best option, I think, you know, I it's it's on me. It's uh, on me. I'm I a grown know, man, man. And I want to play. I, can't, I don't agree with you. I think you need help. You're going to tell you. Of course you're going to say you want to play. You've got 52 <laughs> brothers right there that think you're like a coward. You think they, they think you're a coward or something if you don't play. You're not tough enough. I mean, we saw this all the time, man. I, saw, I told this story. I saw them take a helmet away from Paul Puzlesny. They had to hide the helmet. That's how bad he wanted to go back in, and they did it rightfully so, and he was thankful for it after, like, three days later. But, come on, you guys, it's in your, you guys are crazy for playing this game sometimes. You'll definitely say you're going to go back in. Tua said he wanted to go back in. He passed the test. Somebody's got to be bigger than that, I think. I know what you're saying, that the guys want to play, but... I, I'm just, I'm all for let these guys decide if he's, if you're a grown man, he's lucid and knows what he's doing. It's your decision. You want to play? You want to play? Fine. Go play if you're our best option. If he's hurting the team, if he can't play, if he can't perform at a high level, then it's the coach's job to get somebody in there who can win, somebody in who can play better than him. But if I'm the best option, if I want to play, let me play. Let me help my team if that's what I want to do. If I'm not the best option, if this is hurting the team, if I'm not able to perform, get somebody else in there then. Yeah, it's an, interest, the way I look man, it's it. an interesting way to look at it. I guess I'm not that surprised. I'm just worried about Clay Harbor after football, Tua after football more than <laughs> yeah. anything else. All right, hey, give out your final rose, man. you got about a minute. Okay, final rose. I mean, obviously the, the, the money's on Trevor Lawrence, AFC player, Offensive Player of the Week, but he's got enough awards this week. 115 <laughs> ratings, though, three touchdowns, no interceptions. 
Heck of a game. James Robinson should get it too. 5.9 yards a carry, breaking tackles, 42 yards after contact, 100-yard game. But I'm going to go with somebody you guys aren't expecting. I'm going to give this final rose to Zay Jones. Double digits receptions, 85 yards and a touchdown, 10 catches? 10 catches for Zay Jones? People are saying that this guy got overpaid with his, his smaller contract. This guy has been showing up all camp. He's showing up preseason. Now he's showing up in the regular season. He's a top 20 graded receiver on PFF right now. The final rose goes to Zay Jones. Ah, that's a good one. Good one. That's a good call right there, by the way. Guys like Zay Jones and Marvin Jones are really doing a lot of dirty work and then catching passes as well and getting rewarded for it. So I think that's a good find by you. Zay Jones with a career day. And every signing they have made seems like they're doing their thing. And every button is the right button to push so far for Peterson and Balky. Clay Harbor, awesome job again, man. We'll uh, look forward to talking to you after this one on Wednesday, and, and maybe I'll see you up there in Philly on Sunday. Absolutely. Later, guys. All right. That's Clay Harbor. Man, he's good. Does an awesome job, and uh, we love having Clay on. And Mondays is Maurice Jones, Drew Rasheen, Mathis. Wednesdays, 4 o'clock hour. It's Clay Harbor each and every week. That's how we do it. Brett and Friends on ESPN 690. Football at 5 coming up next. All right. uh, Right after this. If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. 